What is going on, FA Nation? My name is Justin Fensterman, along with Matt Sells, and it's time for another Family Meetup, the Family Times podcast here on FantasyAlarm.com. Coming off of Super Bowl 57, one of the most entertaining Super Bowls, at least in my lifetime of 36 years. We've seen some stinkers. We've seen some games where we've had very slow first halves and then very active second halves and vice versa. This one definitely fit the bill. You had a 51 total there, went way over. Big scoring machine this game was. Sells, what'd you think of Super Bowl 57? I'm right there with you. I thought it was incredibly entertaining. Um, it's, I think Fox said, like, the third most watched TV show ever or something. They put out their rate. 113 million people watched it. It was the most strained sporting event ever. Um, like, it... I mean, it was set up to be a great game. You had the top two teams in the NFL all season. You had, you know, a head coach that's now for the Chiefs, used to coach the Eagles. You had Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts. You had, like, all sorts of, um, you know, the the Kelsey brothers basically took a backseat to all the other storylines. Um, but, yeah, I th- it was a great game. Um it was very. It was the first time in about twelve years that I've watched the Super Bowl with one of my best friends because they just moved back uh, into town after being elsewhere, um, and it just so happened that it was a Chiefs game, and he gets very intense when the Chiefs are playing because it's his team. He grew up in KC, um, so that was that was fun trying to be like, yeah, I'm the KC fan, but I'm also like the realistic like, this is the strategy stuff. Right. So that was fun. Um, my kids enjoyed it. My youngest just went out and bought a Patty Mahomes poster to hang by her bed at the book fair yesterday. Um, so, yeah, it, it was it was great. It was not the Butler Duke National Championship game that. <laughs> wow. When Gordon Hayward almost hit that shot from like half court. Remember that? I mean, that let's was- put it this way. If Gordon Hayward hits that shot, it's an instantaneous classic. He oh, doesn't. Man. And it's. And it's reviled as well. I guess the Butler Yukon game was worse, right? Because nobody could hit shots. Like the Butler Yukon National Championship game, like the following year was terrible. But yeah. The the Gordon Hayward almost hitting the three pointer. You want to hear something funny about that? So my brother in law was actually in the Duke Pep band. Gordon Hayward misses that shot. And all of a sudden, all the flair comes out and the streamers and everything. Duke wins. They immediately give my brother-in-law, who's playing his trombone, like a five, seven-second cutaway of him just, like, cheering and celebrating and everything. It was, it was like, right after Hayward wow. missed that shot, which I thought was going in because I thought it, the it hit him. Angle had it. You saw it from behind, yeah. and you're like, wow, this thing's heading right to the basket. Didn't it hit rim? Yes, get the back iron. Yes. Yeah. It was painfully close <laughs> to going in. It was unbelievable. But uh, just like uh, Harrison Bucker missing the first field goal, just stoinking oh, it. Oh, right I was so, I was not happy because one of the props that I was on was Harrison Bucker over seven and a half total kicking points. And oh. that's a pretty big number. It is. But I thought that there was going to be a lot of scoring in this game. Yes. And I w- I'll be real with you. I was expecting two field goals, which he hits that first one. I get my two field goals. But luckily for me, 
they scored enough touchdowns and kicked right. enough extra points that that final field goal put me over the top. Yeah, I was I was close to prize picks had a six for six. If you went six for six, you got 30 30x payout, uh, which is first of all, they never do six for six tickets. Normally it's like five is the max and 30 30 X is way bigger than they usually do. So um, our colleague, John and Pemba, you know, gave us some picks, had his prize picks article that hit pretty well. And Harrison Bucker at eight uh, fantasy points was the prop there. And I thought about it and I was like, there's two field goals and two touchdowns, or they're going to need like two field goals and, or like one field goal and like five touchdowns. And I'm like, uh, I don't know that they get that many touchdowns is the, is like the problem. Plus he'd gotten injured on that field in week one. So I shied away from that, but it, it was a tantalizing prop because, you know, I figured they might move the ball well enough to get into field goal range a couple of times and then, you know, get a couple of touchdowns, but they moved it way more effectively. I think I think Andy Reid took over the play calling in the second half. I think that's what happened. I, don't, <laughs> I think Eric Bieniemy lost the play calling rights in the second half because they were way more effective uh, after halftime than they were um, for most of the first half. I thought when it came to this game as a whole, number one, when Patrick Mahomes goes limping off the field, when we saw that shot of him walking into the locker room, I my nerves were settled when yes. it came to, because I the Chiefs my nerves were completely settled. Same he, with me too. Like he was jogging in, and my friend okay. and, he wasn't grimacing. Yeah, my friend and his wife were like, "Well, I don't know that face." I'm like, "Yeah, but he knows the cameras are on the sideline." Like, right? He's a little bit of a gamesmanship guy, right? Um, I thought it was fine. Like, people were like, is he going to play? Is he going to come back? Will it be like, Chad Teddy? I mean, to be fair, Greg Olson was like, they'll give him painkillers and he'll be fine in the <laughs> locker room. So, like. I feel so bad for Greg Olson. Gre he'll I be mean, fine for another year and then he's going to lose his job. I mean, let, let's let's be real. Look, it's a lot of money that he's, that he's going to be losing. Yes. But he's still going to be making a very nice living. I mean, $3 million a year, I'm not going to you know, stick my nose up at, but going from 10 million to 3 million for ostensibly doing the same job and calling a Super Bowl in between kind of sucks, especially you losing it to a guy who's never done it before and is going to take a year to go practice before <laughs> coming into the booth. I don't know. Maybe Brady will be great, but do you hedge a little bit? Maybe make, I, I hate to say it, but I know I you're paying say, Brady a lot. Yeah. Do you put Brady on maybe the number two team? That's maybe right. not automatically put him in the Super Bowl. Let him maybe learn from Olsen and learn from Kevin Burkhardt a little bit. And then a year or two later, when he's ready and comfortable, you put him in there? That's that's what I would do. Now, Romo, to his credit, came in and was the number one guy with Nance right off the bat. But I also think that uh, Romo had been doing some analysis stuff on other hits and and whatnot. So he had a little bit more of a feel for the game. Like when you listen to Brady talk, it's very analytical, but it's a little dry, which is, so we'll see. We'll see how it works out. Who knows? Maybe it's phenomenal. Um, 
but I do feel a little bad for Craig Olson. But overall, I thought the game was was great. I thought um, Kansas City did a masterful job with adjustments, and the Eagles never really caught on to it. Right, I think is what. And and shout out to the KC offensive line because the Eagles sacked the quarterback the most amount of times in the regular season, seventy sacks in the regular season. And Patrick Mahomes had a clean pocket the entire game. Was yeah, absolutely incredible. Points. So, um, and by the way, shout out to lefties. Creed Humphrey is apparently the first lefty center to ever win a Super Bowl is what I saw. But nobody can actually fully verify it because centers kind of snapped the ball either way. But yeah, Creed Humphrey snaps it left-handed. Um, so that's kind of nifty. What isn't nifty, though, and I want I want your opinion on this first. What... Should refs swallow their whistles in the fourth quarter? If they've been doing it most of the game and it's been lightly called, I think you keep it as such. It depends on where we're at at this point. If they're calling on the heavier side, then they keep that flow too. That's how I've always felt it with officiating. We shouldn't see that much of a variance when it comes to the tightness of the calls between a first and second half of a sporting event. Right, but logically that means if you miss the first one of the game, you can't call it again for the rest of the game, right? right. Logically, that's that step. But I mean, there are always call bigger calls in sports. I mean, there's holding on every play. Yes. You can watch the offensive line and go, that's hold, that's hold, that's hold, that's a holding, that's a holding, that's a holding. Like, they don't call it every play, so you're telling me that they shouldn't call it when they do call it because they didn't call the first one? Like, right. That's what that logic says to me. And to assume that that one penalty directly led to the Chiefs definitively winning the game, I'm not 100% sold on that argument either. Not to mention that the that, that Bradbury admitted it was a hold and hoped that it wouldn't get called. Well, that, that right there, if I, could, if I could stop you right there, that waters down any of the controversy tweets and opinions of this game to me he admitted he held him he admitted it so if the guy who got called for it admitted it you can't be hanging it on the ref right here's the other thing let's let's game this out in two ways okay one they call the penalty it stands everybody's hooting and hollering about oh that's not a penalty that's not a whatever whatever it's called chiefs get a first down let's say um, who carried the ball right after that? Was it Pacheco or McKinnon? They ran the ball. It was it was McKinnon, and then he slid yeah. down at the one. He slid down. Let's say, for sake of argument, he has a brain fart and runs it in. There's a minute. I and think it was McKinnon. It was McKinnon. Yeah. Let's say whoever was carrying the ball, I don't remember right off, because they were rotating guys in and out, and it may have been Sky Moore. I don't know, because he was running jet sweeps, too. Um Let's say he runs it in and the Chiefs score a touchdown. Now they're up uh, 42-35 and there's a minute and 54 left. And the Eagles have, what, two timeouts at that point? Right. Is there any guarantee they go down and score a touchdown? The Chiefs have been manhandling them for for the fourth quarter. They literally couldn't do anything. Right? So... A, I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure that the Eagles march down the field and score. And even if they do, 
they tie it. And then it goes to overtime where both teams are guaranteed to get the ball because they changed that rule thanks to Josh Allen two years ago, right? Um, now, let's say the Chiefs... Uh, let's say that penalty isn't called, right? That was third and eight, I believe, when it was called. So now it's fourth down. The Chiefs are going to kick the field goal. They go up 38-35, right? You're talking it's after the two-minute warning at that point anyway. Right. So now it's a field goal game. The Eagles still get the ball back. They still have two timeouts, and they now have to go and kick a field goal to tie or get a touchdown to win. But it's, again, the Chiefs' defense had stopped the Eagles. Are we 100% sure? Do we know for a fact that if the Eagles get the ball back and march down the field that they score and win and it doesn't go to overtime? No. No. Not to mention, Bradbury admits it was a penalty, says that he was hoping to get away with it, okay? Not to mention, what the hell happens if that catch that the guy caught that was a fumble is actually ruled a fumble? The Chiefs are up by, the Chiefs put up a second touchdown. That changes the game completely. What happens if Devonta Smith's catch that was overturned is kept a catch? That changes the game completely. What happens if the Dallas Goddard bobble that was ruled a catch for some stupid-ass reason is actually called incomplete? That changes the game. You thought that it was clear that that wasn't a catch? No, it wasn't a catch. Well, here's okay, so here's my argument. If you're going to call that a catch, then what the hell's the difference between that and the fumble that was called incomplete? Right, so, so, so here's the interesting because thing. Because the fumble, the guy has possession of the ball. Right. I thought I thought that he was still in bounds. I know that he had that bobble and he kind of used his helmet. I thought he was still in bounds, Goddard, when he had that, when he had possession. With Sanders, I'll say this with Sanders. That's as close as you're going to get. So I think, you know, and trust me, I know people like to kill the rest. That one to me was a tough call because yes, he yeah. caught it. Yes, he got the feet down. But if the rule is stating that it's a three-pronged approach and he has to start moving forward. I'm not so sure that I saw forward motion after he got the feet down. That's my one beef. I with can that. buy that. But if the argument is you have a you have it in your hands, it's controlled with two feet down and a football motion, how is Goddard? I thought Goddard down? had control. I thought after he right. bobbled. So he, he has control, but he doesn't make a football. Is a football move falling out of bounds? If his feet are in bounds, move? yes, you're talking. To, I, it has to be different when it comes to being out of bounds versus a fumble. It has to be. You're talking about two completely different plays. I mean, if you fumble it out of bounds, then you still get it, right? But yes. I'm just saying that, that they ruled. So in the NFC Championship game, there was a play like Devonta Smith, and they ruled it a catch. And then they overturned Devonta Smith's catch in the Super Bowl to incomplete, which, by the way, I thought that was the correct call. I thought it was incomplete. The ball was rolling. It hit the How, ground. That's poetic justice right there. Okay. How so great that one they got right. Yeah. But if that one they got right and he doesn't have control of it, Goddard is like you have to freeze frame it in the exact right millisecond of coverage to see if his toe is kind of sort of maybe with one eye closed making contact with grass. Okay. But doesn't that make it inconclusive? Yeah. But I guess the rule on the or the call on the field was a catch, so that's right. Fine. So it makes it right? inconclusive. But 
I don't know that there was enough to overturn the fumble either, and that was ruled a fumble and a touchdown on the field. That so, yeah, I just I gave you my take. That I did not think there was any forward motion, so I couldn't I couldn't get on the refs about that. Okay, I mean either way, I'm just saying that one penalty, which again the guy admitted didn't. Yes, it happens late. Okay, what happens if Bucker misses the field goal? Because it's possible. I mean, it's a gimme, but we've seen the Bears shank him from six yards. Like, what happens if he misses? Then nobody's talking about the penalty. No, people right? are talking about how much of an idiot Andy Reid is for not just having McKinnon get into the end zone. Which, at the time, at the time, I thought, because look, like you said, nothing's a guarantee. I, it's a Super Bowl. You take the points. And you, you yeah. hope that your defense I mean, can hold them down. I just that you're look, you never know what could happen. Bad snap, right? right. He missed the field goal earlier in the game. Granted, it was 20, 25 yards further out. You never know. We saw, remember what it was it, 2004 when John Carney, one of the most reliable kickers yeah, the in the NFL, point. missed the extra point. The Saints yeah. had that miraculous touchdown, and then Carney was brought on to tie yeah. it. You never yeah. know what's going to happen. He was so accurate. I agree. You never know what's going to happen. I was thinking strategically along with Andy Reid because my friend was like, why wouldn't he just go in? I'm like, he's he's eating clock. So they don't like even if they score, the Eagles have very little time to get which. Yeah, it worked out. But I'm just saying, like, logically, like I've seen people like RG3 was on Twitter. Like there wasn't like you can't call that in that spot. And I'm like, OK, well, then when's the cutoff? Is it kickoff? Like, what's the point of refs if we're not going to let them call play, call fouls, right? We should just have the guys on the field. Whatever the hell happens, happens. Who cares if fisticuffs break out? Who cares if people are putting chokeholds? Quarterbacks are hit upside the head, out of bounds, and all that good stuff. What's the point of refs if you're not going to let them call what is definitively a penalty that the corner knew was a penalty. Knew he was going to get called for it when he did it. He just didn't want to give up the touchdown. Right. That's why he held him, because he was going to get beat. That's why you hold people. Right? right? Like, I just don't get the logic that says, well, in that spot, is there somewhere in the rule book that says, after the two-minute warning, you can't call a foul? Like, could you imagine if in, the, if in college, I'm not even going to go with the NBA because fouls are super ridiculously inconsistent in the NBA, but in college, which is slightly better. Could you imagine if you're trying to come back in a game and the refs are like, we can't call anything. It's the last minute of the game. So you can hack the bejesus out of people and we won't call it because it'll right. decide a game. That's the whole point. How many games have we seen where, where a quarterback will literally heave a ball as a last second hope, hoping that there is a DPI called that's a spot foul that gets the ball down to like the three yard line just so they're closer, right? It literally happened three times this year where, where a team lit like the, I think it happened. I think the Eagles got bailed out in one of their games by doing just, it was one of the NFC East teams where they just heave hoed it and they couldn't, they were not moving the ball at all and they got completely bailed out because they just heave hoed it and wound up with a touchdown because they got called for a DPI for a heave job. Like a it heave doesn't, job. 
it doesn't make any sense to me that we should tell officials, oh, this is clearly the pinnacle of the game. Okay, well, what happens if it goes to overtime? Nobody's getting called for anything? Right, That and that's that's where, yeah, you're right. I mean, remember when sports used to just be about, look, the refs make the final call. Sometimes, or the refs make the call. Sometimes it's going to go your way. Sometimes it's not. How many basketball games I watched where you could clearly see, and this is even before the DVR and TiVo days, where you can pause something just like that. This is where, unless you're recording it on a v, on a VHS tape, and then you play the tape and you pause it there, there were so many games where I saw buzzer beaters get counted that were clearly the shot went up after the, the horn sounded or after you saw the light on the back of the backboard. But that's the thing. it's it's That's what refs are for. And these robots, refs that are going to come into play in the next 10 years, we're going to complain about them. Everybody just likes to complain. You can't say like, it. All, all the Eagles fans, of course, all the Eagles fans are going to say that. Wow, what a way to how do you end the Super Bowl on that? Well, here's the interesting thing. For those that were all watching on TV, well, here's the interesting thing. The camera, the producers there did a bad job because they kept showing the hold with the left hand, the minor quick grab, not the initial hold when he was on the ground when he grabbed his jersey. So I was watching it, and when they kept just showing the quick grab and that's it, I'm like, okay, that shouldn't have been called. And then I realized they didn't go back far enough in the tape. Right, they got him on the initial turn into right, the right. Right, they didn't show that. On the replay. And, so, and and somebody pointed out they were like, well, the MBS hold, which happened, I think, in the second quarter, where you could see on the replay, his jersey was like eight inches away from his body because the slot corner had held him so bad. Right. They're like, well, they didn't call that. That's worse. I'm like, okay. So they missed it. That doesn't excuse them for calling a call that should have been called. Because if the Eagles win, every Chiefs fan goes, well, they didn't call this. And then. Dude, so, people want perfection. That's right. the bottom line. It's an imperfect sport, and you're demanding perfection. You should be pissed that your number one defense that they claimed was the third best defense of all time on the broadcast, which is crap, uh, gave up 38 points. Right. Because you See, were actually tested by an actual NFL offense for the first time all year, and your defense fell apart. Right. That's what happened. Despite the fact that the Eagles had twice the amount of time of possession – is the Chiefs. By the way, the Chiefs, that's the second lowest time of possession for a Super Bowl winner ever. Wow. That's pretty, yeah. I mean, look, when it came to the Chiefs, they deserved it. Their offense I means something I got to give credit to our guy, Adam Ronis, something that he made very apparent in coverage over the last few weeks is, you know, you can't say and blame this totally on it, but it's a contributing factor. How many tough offenses did the Eagles face this year? Because Kansas City's is clearly on another level, despite, by the way, not having Tyreek Hill, having a bunch of rando receivers and Travis Kelsey. And by Patrick the way, Holmes. I said going into the season that I thought Juju was going to have a pretty good year because he had just been injured in Pittsburgh. It's not like he sucked. He was just injured and got, they were like, hey, we got a couple other guys. We don't need you. You're expendable. But he, See, what, what I did with that for fantasy was I said, look, if I, I just want a share of the Chiefs, and there are a lot of cheap shares, so I'm going to get MVS for a dollar. I'm going to get Sky Moore for a dollar, and yeah, that didn't work out. Well, I mean, the MVS dollar worked out, but Sky Moore, <laughs> you'd have to wait for the Super Bowl for him to do something. Right, <laughs> right. Something. But, like, you yeah, was, yeah. this was one of the best Super Bowls you've seen, right? Yes. Okay. I mean, aside yeah. from the two Giants 
Patriots. Those were, I mean, those were classics. Those were great. And I guess the Eagles, the Eagles Patriots Philly special one. The the game that really got me onto football as a sport was the Titans Rams Super Bowl. Oh, one yard short. That's right. Dude, that got me because back then I was about 11. I was about like 12, 11, 12. I was knee deep into basketball, knee deep into baseball. Pretty all right into hockey. But football was kind of the last of the big four that I got into. And that game, man, I was never more locked in on a football game to that point than that game. And my Jets weren't even in it. And it was just such a great game, the story of Kurt Warner. And I fell in love with it. And then the next year, seeing one of your kind of local teams make it, although they lost the Trent Dilfer-led Ravens still (laughs) – I, you know, it's, it was great to see. And just, that's how amazing the Super Bowl is, man. And that's why it was just a, it was a very fun game. And don't let that one call take away from how great, I know not you, but everybody out there that's listening. Don't let that one call take away from how great it was. We had a great game. We've had some stinkers. We've had some parts of the game were good. Parts of the game were boring. This game was great. That second was magical. The last team to score there's only been two teams to score on every possession of the second half in a Super Bowl. The Chiefs did it on Sunday. The Eagles when they beat the Patriots in twenty seventeen were the first team to do that. So it's a little serendipity that the Eagles were involved in both times in which a team scored on every possession in the second half. So overall it was great. It was also a pretty quick Super Bowl. Like it didn't drag on quite as long as is Others, it did from those lousy commercials, man. Those commercials sucked. I don't know some of them were good, some of them were. I thought they were all bad for the most part. Actually, yeah, thought, pretty much every halftime was not great, by the way. Right. I might be in the minority, in that. like if you're if you're Ben Stiller, you're gonna do a commercial, don't give us a two second Zoolander link clip, make it more about Zoolander, have him be the Derek Zoolander character in the Pepsi commercial. Why can't he do that? Don't you know what would have been hilarious? You know what, what they should have done? They should have put Derek Zoolander in a Daytona 500 preview because he had trouble turning left in the movie, right? Lots of people can't turn left. <laughs> they should have put him in a NASCAR preview is what they should have done. Oh, that's amazing. That's that all they amazing. do is turn left. Pepsi effed up. Pepsi messed up cells. They should have outsourced and hired you to come up with that idea. That is amazing because you get you get the the promotion for Pepsi in the Super Bowl, and you kind of look towards the biggest racing event, yeah. which is coming up this weekend. Cells, and you're going to have you and Mister Malin are going to have a ton of content on that here. So I got to ask you, man, when it comes to NASCAR for the week, I didn't know if you want to bring this. Maybe you want to just bring this to the family table here. As we're entering that zone. Well, but- hold on, hold on. We 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 prepped for this and you're skipping one of the debates we are gonna have. I, we've been going on a while about this game, and you really want to get into this right now. Let's you really you really want to get into this right now. Yes. Okay. It happened this week. We should cover right. it. And right. he was also at the Super Bowl and said the penalty wasn't a penalty. But what the hell does LeBron? So I know? see oh. my buddy Matt sells right. Try to be a little bit, a little bit of a tough guy on Facebook. Just gonna say that that he having this is done, finished, completed, debating that LeBron James is better 
than Michael Jordan overall in the NBA. And LeBron James becoming the NBA all-time scoring leader. Cells, let me tell you, man, I know you're a big stats guy, but you, you, I mean, you said you're done debating this. So does that mean we can't debate it because you said you're done debating it? Am I closed off? Is the door shut? I'm trying to sell you Girl Scout cookies and you're not having any? You're not opening the door? No, we can debate it. I'm just not going to be convinced. LeBron James is the greatest player in the history of the NBA. He just he just is. Why? Let's put it this way. Any of his like his 20th season is better than MJ's in his prime. Okay? The ring argument is stupid. MJ has 6 rings. Congratulations. He has half as many as Bill Russell. If if rings are what make you the GOAT, then why is Bill Russell not the GOAT? He has 11 of them. MJ's got six. Congratulations, you went undefeated in the finals. It took two Hall of Famers playing with you to get you there. LeBron took a Cavs team that had nobody else to the NBA Finals when he should have been in freshman year of college. Jordan leaves the Bulls for the first time. They go from winning the NBA championship to still being an Eastern Conference playoff team before he rejoined them. LeBron win, takes the, the Cavs to the Eastern Conference Finals, that, that series against Boston where he basically refused to play because he wanted to show he has no help, right? Took the team to the Eastern Conference Finals. Leaves. What do they get? The first pick in the draft the next year. I'm sorry. If you're going to lose the greatest of all time, you shouldn't still be a playoff team. I don't know about that. Like, it's just, yes. Did MJ play more defense? He Maybe. Did. It's an he, error. No, no, he no. Did. no, no, he did. He did. He did. Okay. Better threats. But are we so sure that LeBron's defense is terrible? It's not terrible. But I don't think so. It's not but terrible. But he's, he's a better all-around basketball player than MJ. He just is. The points per game, okay. Fine. All-time scoring leader? Got it. Beat Kareem. Kareem, who who was considered, that was considered an untouchable record. LeBron got it, right? He's better at rebounding. Can He's I ask you something? Better at assists. Can I ask you something? Yes. Can I ask you something? So let me ask you this. Will Chamberlain scoring yeah. 100 points in a game, is that impressive to you? Yes. It is impressive to Especially you. Especially since there was no three-point line. That's very – so you think that's – And Kobe needed a three-point line and still fell 19 points shot. I don't think scoring 100 points in a game necessarily reflects that you're one of the greatest basketball players of all time and should be a coveted record because any offensive threat can go on a big score. We've had we've seen players – We've seen players who are considered C-listers scoring 60-plus. I will also 70. say that – while it is impressive just for hitting 100 points and the closest anybody else has gotten is 19 point shy when Kobe went off in Madison Square Garden. He was the tallest dude in the league for like forever at that point. So he had that advantage. All I'm saying is that Jordan was effective at shooting. However, LeBron's career Field goal percentage is right there with MJ's. 
His career three-point percentage is better than MJ's. Free throws, sure. Edges to Jordan. LeBron's also bigger, so bigger guys usually don't shoot free throws as well. In terms of win share and whatnot, LeBron's better. In terms of the NBA version of war, LeBron is better, significantly so. I'm sorry, LeBron's just a better all-around player, and if we're counting rings, LeBron made it to the finals more times than MJ. Did he come up short? Sure. Was there more competition for LeBron when he got there? Yes. It took the Pistons literally becoming a retirement home team for MJ to be able to make the finals in the Eastern Conference. I disagree with that. I disagree with that. They literally had to take Rodman off the Pistons and put him on the Bulls and then get MJ, Scottie Pippen, and the best coach ever in order for him to make the finals. That's not true. That's not true. That's false. You You just hurt your argument there. Because Dennis Rodman was still on the Pistons in 1991 when the Bulls went to the NBA Finals, you can check that. You don't. You don't even have to check that. You don't even have to check that. I'm right. One time. Oh, you're fine. Yes. So one time. One time. Dennis Rodman However, still LeBron on the Pistons. took a team with literally nobody else on it to the okay. NBA Finals. LeBron, LeBron also joined a team with two guys who were the best at their positions in the league at the time as well. You're okay. not going to forget about the Heatles. No, I'm not. Here's the problem. Why is playing on a super team held against LeBron, but it's not held against Jordan? Because Jordan, Jordan literally needed two top 50. Was Scotty was Scottie Pippen not drafted to the Bulls? Well, that's not true. He, that's was. he wasn't. No, he wasn't. He was actually drafted by the Sonics. That's fine. They drafted. made a trade to bring somebody in, and they signed Rodman. And so he was so, a rookie. So give credit to ownership. Here. Scott, okay, hang on a second. Scott, so hold on, hold on. LeBron is with, supposed with to stick. LeBron is supposed to stick with a team owner that sucks nuts at putting together teams. And then what are you going to do? You're going to say, oh, LeBron's so great, he couldn't take a team to the finals. When Steph Curry needs help, when Durant needs help, when Kyrie needs help, when Dirk needed help, when Luka still needs help. Stan, you're wrong about Steph Curry. Steph Curry was on a homegrown team and won a title. Right. Again, he still needed all-star caliber. But they weren't brought there. They were drafted by the team. That's my point. Yeah, it happened with Jordan. How about the Celtics? Okay, okay. wait, let's go back. The Celtics created a big three. And everybody loves them. Everybody loves them. Are you kidding me? No, they're not. They're the reason why Doc Rivers, people, I I talk about how much I'm against Doc Rivers because he was given that title. I'm with you. But Paul Pierce gets credit for for NBA titles because he stayed with a team that was smart enough to know they needed help. Right. The Cavs ownership and GM suck nuts. They still do. Look at that roster. It's terrible. They traded away Andrew Wiggins and a bunch of first-round picks for crap. Right. So, and we're saying LeBron should have stayed there and hoped to God they could figure out how to figure out how to draft a basketball team. I mean, they Both brought the other time. players in. They brought other players. They brought in Kevin Love. Kevin Love at the time, yeah. by the way. Ke- look, Kevin Love is not the same Kevin Love as he is right now. Kevin Love was a very different yes. Kevin Love back when they brought him in. I'm not holding the super One team. One guy against okay, three you, you brought up the super team factor with Jordan. Jordan yeah. wasn't given a super team. Yes, Those first was. titles, he was not. 
He wasn't. Bill Cartwright it wasn't one of the top centers that he had. He didn't have Rodman for those first three titles. Rodman was there for the 96, 7, and 8 ones. He wasn't there for the first three, any of them. Scottie Pippen, he was a rookie with the Bulls. He was a rookie. He wasn't brought in. He was a Here's rookie. Here's my point. DJ Armstrong, a rookie. John Paxson, a rookie with the team. That team was virtually yeah. the and one change they their made. Head the, coach. the one change. Who was their coach? Phil Jackson was their coach, but they yeah. had, but, but a guy Jackson, who has so many titles, he okay, literally but Phil can't Jackson, on his Phil hand. Jackson was also the assistant coach before he became head coach. He was the assistant. They're smart enough to hire the best coach in the league. They're smart enough to draft very good players. They then didn't hire, they didn't hire him to be the head coach. That lead. It didn't matter. They, Phil Jackson was already an assistant coach. They promoted him. Who's the best, right. But they were smart enough to keep him in house because they knew what he could do. Right. That's my point. What's the best coach? Yes. What is the best coach that LeBron's ever had? Is there a single coach that's going to make the Hall of Fame? Probably. And you know what? Let me Mace just tell you this. Here's, can I tell you something with the Hall of Fame? Hall of Fame is not like baseball Hall of Fame. You can get into the basketball Hall of Fame. Everybody. It's not the I, NBA Hall of Fame. It's stupid. It's the pro basketball Hall of Fame. Sells, I have to put a pause on this discussion here. Because I want to bring, I want to, when we have Ryan Howland back, I want to see what he thinks here. We're gonna we're gonna go through this again. We're gonna have part two of this. We're gonna have part two of this. So let's quickly go to the family table and talk about NASCAR, the Daytona 500. Man, what do you got coming up on the site? So we've got uh, our weekly podcast with Dan Malin and myself breaking down the field. Uh, qualifying for the Daytona 500 is Wednesday evening. That only sets the first two starting spots so the front row of the daytona 500 the rest of it is used to determine who's in the duels the dual races are on thursday also on fox um the dual races the finish order for the dual races will set the starting lineup for the daytona 500 which is on sunday it's different than any other race uh it's speed weeks there's also on-track action from wednesday all the way through sunday because you got the arca series races there then trucks then xfinity and then cup so we will have um, playbooks out for truck series, Xfinity series and cup series. Uh, I will have free betting pieces on, uh, picks wise over there for the Daytona 500. We will also have core plays up for truck series, Xfinity series, cup series. Uh, and we will have projections up for the cup series. So the, the lineup generator, you can use that. I'll give you a hint, put anybody in your lineups that fits and, uh, just watch because, Chaos is going to happen, and don't hit me up when there's 50 laps to go and say, "Oh, there's only been two cautions. I don't know where this chaos is happening." <laughs> Just watch; it happens. It happens every year. Give Matt Sells a follow at the Sellsman. What I'm bringing to the table is this NBA All Star Weekend. Be careful when you're betting anything All Star related. It's a crapshoot. There's no statistical evidence behind anything on Saturday. This game on Sunday, it's a joke. Don't waste your time. Just enjoy. You want to put in a DFS lineup. Be my guest. It's very hard to track any of this from NBA All-Star Weekend. But for those that are playing season-long fantasy basketball, just remember your matchups in head-to-head should be combined this week and next week because regular season games end after Thursday for this week. And then they don't start up again until the following Thursday. So a weird time with the NBA. I got you covered still when it comes to Discord, fantasy alarms, fantasy basketball, season-long Discord. I'm in there a lot talking with all of you here. For Matt Sells, I'm Justin Fetsterman. This is the Family Times Podcast. 
family that sticks together, wins together, and sells. Guess what? We're getting back to Jordan versus LeBron next week. Stay tuned because it's going to get even more heated.